Hello and welcome to another episode of the Who Says No NBA Trade Podcast. Believe it or not, the NBA Finals are nearing an end. We've got a tie series right now as of this recording, uh, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the offseason. Free agency is right around the corner. My name is Colin Ward-Henninger. I'm one of your hosts, a writer for CBSSports.com. Joining me is, uh, let's see, what, what kind of things can we come up with here? Capologist, uh, analyst, aggregator, what else we got? Trade guru? For a second, pen? I was trying to, like, in my head, I was thinking, is he, like, making an acronym of some kind? Does he have a specific area he's going? I kind of think at this moment, we are what's wrong with basketball media. Because we just watched one of the greatest finals games of all time. And we're just going to, like, step over that and talk about offseason rap. That's what we do. You know, look, you got to zag. Everybody's talking about, you know, oh, game four, are the Bucks going to gonna take this thing? You got a, a pivotal, pivotal game five coming up, which are always the most pivotal games in the series. But who cares? We're talking about offseason trades and free agency, man. That's what it's all about. So I feel like on the first day of free agency, the move for us is like, what if we just do a whole podcast about zipper cuts? Or like Ooh. how campaign operates and pick and roll. Like that's the thing to do on the first day of free agency. Just get in the weeds, just go yeah. the complete opposite way. Or like pick like the number 250th ranked free agent and be like possible destinations. Yeah. Undrafted free agents and pin down screens. That'll be our July. Well, I was going <laughs> to say our July 1st podcast, but I guess our August 1st podcast now. Yeah, the whole calendar is so weird. I'm still like wary. I don't know if you, this happens to you, but like I'm wary of writing like, depending on what this team does this summer, it's like, yeah. wait, is it still summer by the time free agency ends? Or this, what? this drove me crazy last off season because I had to write winter, but like the season is also in the winter. So I'm not sure what to do. Yeah, off season is what you got to go with. But then that's it gets weird because then you get, you get like, redundant is what it, it gets. does. Yeah. You're like, oh, their moves in the off season really set them up for a great preseason, which is going to lead to a great season and postseason. Yeah. Postseason, regular season, the ones that really get to me. Yeah. You got to alternate playoffs and postseason. Wow. We're really uh, getting into some some minutiae. Such a minor writer problem inside baseball early in the podcast. Well, the, well, the reason we're here is because Kawhi Leonard, uh, mysterious man of mystery of the NBA uh, injured his knee during the conference finals. Um, was it during the conference? Finals? No, it was, just a series no, it was the Jazz he, series. Just, he missed all the conference finals. This is where you come here to get all, all the accurate information. He injured his knee in the jazz series, missed all the conference finals and the Clippers were very cryptic about his injury and no information came out. Suddenly, uh, yesterday, early today, whenever you listen to this, uh, it was found out that he actually had a partially torn ACL and is having surgery. So Kawhi Leonard having knee surgery on his ACL, which is a pretty important ligament, I hear. Not great. What was your initial reaction? A couple of things. First of all, legendary news dump by the Clippers to release that like 10 minutes after Team USA played its exhibition game. You know, people are happy. We finally beat somebody, yada, yada, yada. Oh, let's just slip this in. Kawhi had surgery and turned the So blah, 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 blah. Whatever. Second, how did they get away with calling this a knee sprain for, I don't know, three whole weeks? Like that they, was the thing. They will, really so medical experts will tell you that a sprain is a tear, technically. What? It's just, it's, it's a, it's a small, it's a small tear. Yeah. So it generally is repaired with rehab and rest and all, you know, all that stuff. So So you're saying you don't want to talk about my conspiracy theory. 
Well, it depends on what it is, but I, I'm always in the mood for conspiracy theories. My theory was that the Clippers initially misdiagnosed it, and there's like a fair bit of evidence for that because right after Game Four, Kawhi says, "I'm fine." Next question, when somebody asked about his knee, that's right after the game, so he might not have been properly evaluated at that point. But up until the day of Game Five of the Jazz series, he wasn't listed on the injury report. There was like a day and a half where like nobody really knew what was going on. And nobody knew that anything was going on. So I, don't, I, I would I'm, say it was a pretty substantial period where, like, there might have been some monkey business here. I do. Uh, yeah, I have a text message from my brother saying, oh, Clippers played great. I hope Kawhi's OK, but looks like he's going to be fine. So, like, that was the general sentiment from from Clippers fans and from people who watched that game. It was like, oh, they kind of look weird, uh, but he's, he's probably going to be all right. Yeah, you know. Um, by the way, I just looked up something online and it says a knee sprain refers to torn or overstretched ligaments. So well, that's what I thought overstretch was, right? Like you sprain your ankle when your ankle is twisted in a way that it's not supposed to. That's what yeah. I assumed anyway. Yeah, I think you might get a little micro tears and stuff. But anyway, to have surgery, it's clearly <laughs> more than a sprain. It's it's a partial tear, which could mean, you know, it's 50 percent torn. It's 75 percent torn. We don't know. Um, so Kawhi Leonard, obviously this raises a bunch of questions because we didn't know what Kawhi Leonard was going to do. He has an option, uh, for next season, which he can decline and become a free agent. He can decline and, uh, sign long-term with the Clippers. He can sign long-term somewhere else. He can opt into that. I mean, there's just all sorts of questions. And now with his injury, that just makes those questions even more complicated and, and gives him a lot of decisions that he needs to make over the next month or so from when he signs his next contract or decides to opt in. So Sam has a piece on CBSSports.com, which is breaking down all of the very intricate details and making me feel very, very happy that I don't get into all this salary cap stuff at this level because it's very complicated, but it's all broken down there for you. Sam, do you want to just give a quick, you know, Cliff's Notes edition of of the ideas of, of what, Kawhi would be giving up if he does certain things or what he will be making if he does certain things. So there are essentially three options here. The obvious one for him, you know, he has a torn ACL. There's a lot of risk inherent in that is to just take the biggest deal he can get from the Clippers. It's important to note he only has early bird rights. He's only been with the Clippers for two years. So with early bird rights, he can only resign for four years, not for five so that would be a four-year, $176 million deal from the Clippers. That's the most they can pay him this offseason. If he goes to another team, it's only slightly less. It's four years, $169 million. And the reason for that is that you go from 8% raises from the Clippers to 5% raises with another team. Usually this gap is a lot bigger because usually your own team can give you five years. If Kawhi wants to get to five years, he needs to get to full bird rights from the Clippers. And to do that, he needs to spend another year there. Now, how can he do that? He can't sign a new one-year deal with the Clippers because early bird contracts have to last for two years. So if he wants to go that route, he would have to opt into his player option. That's $36 million this year. And then he would be eligible for a five-year $235 million deal next offseason that in total would bring his compensation for the next six years up to $276 million. That is a lot of money, and those are a lot of big numbers to be thrown around. But I'll point this out. I would argue that Kevin Durant proved to us that teams are just going to be willing to give the max 
to any player at that level of stardom, regardless of injury history. I think you would agree with me on that, right? Yes. The question then becomes, how many injuries does it take to reach a tipping point? With each player, it's probably different. But like we saw this with DeMarcus Cousins, he was getting the max. He seemed like a lock to get the max again. Torres Achilles, boom, one injury. He goes down to the mid-level, and then he's minimums after that. Then there are players like Clay, who tears, it, tears his ACL, signs for the max. Afterwards, tears his Achilles. And you wonder, if he had been a free agent after the, the Achilles as well, would he have gotten the max? The overall point here is that there is a different level of injuries that every player can go to before their value starts to drop. We don't know what that level is for Kawhi. I don't think it would be a partially torn ACL. But if he comes back next year, if he plays it all, and we don't know what the timeline is, for all we know, he could be out all of next year. He could also be back in January or February. But if he comes back next year and gets hurt again, maybe teams are a little bit more hesitant. So that's where that four-year, $176 million offer from the Clippers comes in. At that point, he's securing almost $200 million for himself. For his career, he's made $149 million. So with one stroke of a pen right now, he can sign for more than he's made in his entire career combined. If he wants to go for the jackpot, he's taken a little bit of a risk by opting in next year and trying to get that big five-year deal. But the reward is obviously substantial. It's almost $100 million in total. So I'll just ask you, Colin, if you were Kawhi Leonard, are you taking the sure thing right now, 176 from the Clippers, or are you playing this out for another year and giving yourself a chance at the jackpot? Oh, what a question. See, because this is how I have to put myself into the shoes of a, an NBA superstar guy who we were talking about as arguably the best player in the NBA in terms of being a two-way stud. Um, that's something I've never been in my life. It'll, I'm sure you'll find that hard to believe, Sam. You're all offense, Colin. Wait, no, <laughs> you were a pitcher, so you'd be all defense. You can't hit. Is pitching defense? I think pitching is more, if we were to equate it to basketball, right? Because offense would be hitting, and you weren't a hitter. Uh, well, first of all, did don't you play the field in your offense? Hitting. Uh, I was not the Shohei Otani of the Ivy League, but I did play. Uh, I did hit in high school, and uh, when I went to the Stanford baseball camp over the summer to try to get scouts to to notice me, I said I was a shortstop who pitched, which turned out to be a colossal mistake. I should have said I was a pitcher who sometimes plays shortstop, um, but. Full circle. How do you get to a camp like that without, like, having your story, like, hammered down? Like, how have you not decided at that point you're a pitcher? It was hard. Have we ever talked about your pitch arsenal? Like, what were your pitches? Well, uh, I threw a fastball and a curveball and a changeup. But my freshman year at Yale, my curveball was pretty bad. I couldn't throw it for a strike, and I didn't throw very hard. So it was pretty bad. Uh, Sophomore year was even worse because I threw harder, which actually made it easier to hit. Because I was like up in the, the threshold that batters really liked. My junior year, I learned how to throw a slider, and that changed everything. Uh, I got a lot better. Senior year, I started throwing a changeup and started throwing sidearm fastballs a little bit. But God, the, the listeners are just on the edge of their seats right now. Talking I'm about gonna the, look up your stats one day, and we're gonna have to do a podcast about your career and maybe oh, some of the trades and free agent signings you could have been involved in. Only look at my ERA for my freshman year and my junior year. Don't worry about sophomore and, and senior year. They get they get inflated when you have one outing that you give up a lot of runs, which happened to me a lot. Um, but if I'm Kawhi Leonard, I, I'm probably, given my injury, I'm going to take the, the deal with the Clippers. Um, that being said, um, 
Kawhi Leonard has just seen Kevin Durant not play for an entire year and still get a max, knowing he wasn't going to play for an entire year. And he doesn't really seem like the type of guy who would be concerned about long-term injuries because he's got this load management system that he seems to work on. So, like, I'm just looking through his games. So he's 9, 60, 57, and 52. Granted, a couple of those seasons, the most recent ones were shortened, but this is a guy who's not – he's trending downward. Like, he's he's not going to be playing, you know, 75, 80 games ever again. So I think coming off an injury like this – He's probably thinking, you know, uh, as long as we manage this properly, I'm not really concerned about the long-term effects. So uh, to answer your question, the longest possible answer to your question, uh, if it were me, I would take the the four-year deal from the Clippers. uh, But I would not be surprised if he decides not to do that. Well, I'll put this out there. Right now, Kawhi is 30. If he signs for four years, he's a free agent at 34. I believe LeBron was 34 when he signed with the Lakers, and he still got the max then. And he's, he got another max contract on top of that. Getting a max at 34 or getting like very well paid at 34, that's not out of the realm of possibility. So if he takes the four over 76, he might not get the extra hundred over the next two years. But you would presume that he's going to be paid pretty well, barring some more extreme injuries over the next four years. If he's locked in through his age 36 season, I'm going to go ahead and guess that 36-year-old Kawhi probably isn't getting anything close to the max. I mean, given all of his injuries, you know, I guess it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I would say the gap overall, if you assume he stays anything close to healthy, probably not as big as that $100 million amount makes it seem. So I think if you're him, you could argue, I'm leaving a little bit of money on the table, but I'm gaining all of this security, and I'm locking myself into playing for a contending roster, let's say, not a favorite. Not a team that's nearly as good as we might have thought coming into last year when he signed there. So I, I think I agree. I think I would sign for the four over 176. We should probably mention he could just leave, right? I, I don't that's, think it's yeah, likely. That's the other piece that we, you know, we've talked. I think we dedicated a whole podcast to we this. We did a whole, yeah. But it's like everyone's just, I mean, not everyone. Everyone, nobody knows what to think about Kawhi. But the majority, you know, the, the wide opinion is that he likes it in L.A. He chose L.A. for a reason. Uh, there's no reason for him to leave. Uh, you watch their playoff run. If Kawhi's healthy, you could argue that the Clippers are playing for the NBA championship right now and possibly about to win it. So it seems like the situation is fine. And when you look around, like, what other situation is that appealing? I mean, like you said, we've, we've talked about different destinations. I have like, the list if you want it. Yeah, Dallas, Toronto, Miami. I have eight teams that I would say are likely to have substantial cap space. Let's just go through them. San Antonio Spurs with around $48 million. I'm going to go ahead and say Kawhi is not going to go there. <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder, 37.8 roughly. I'm going to go ahead and say Kawhi is not going to the Thunder. You think Poku is sending Kawhi text messages, like just like eyes emoji? I feel like it's sort of just like a due diligence thing where Poku has to just send the text and be like, just got to reach out and ask. Let's, like, let's, let's do this. Yeah. Um, the Hornets could get to around 24 million. I, that is not Kawhi's max or close to it. Kawhi's max, just for those keeping score at home is around 39 million. So there are very few teams that can get there. So, but I'm going to say the Hornets at 24 million, probably not going to be able to do it. The Grizzlies can get to around 24 million as well. I don't think Kawhi wants to be a Grizzly. Sorry, Memphis fans. So now we start to get to the teams that maybe make a teensy bit of sense. New York Knicks, 
can get to around 52 million in space, maybe more if they trade Kevin Knox. That could have some appeal if they trade for another star. It's worth pointing out that he did do his rehab when he was hurt in that San Antonio season in New York. So maybe he's a little bit comfortable there, not as comfortable as he is in LA clearly, but you know, he was willing to meet with them when he was a free agent last time. So I guess you can't rule it out. The Mavericks can get to around 32 million if Josh Richardson opts out. You can create some extra money by doing my favorite thing, which is training Dwight Powell. So they can oh, get to the max. And sure, he might want to play with Luca, but I think we'd consider that unlikely at this stage. And then the last few teams, you'd go back to the Raptors. I have them at around 27 million in space. They trade one of their three big guys. They could get to the max if they wanted to. And then there's the Heat, who can also get to around 27 million in space. They have a much harder time getting to the max. Considering the deals they've given Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo over the last two years, they don't really have a path to the max, especially also just, I just find this hilarious. The Heat have $5 million in dead money to Ryan Anderson. So if that's what's keeping them from Kawhi, I just think that. Wait, wait a second. Ryan Anderson is still getting paid? Yes. So the Heat had Ryan Anderson on their books when they were trying to get Jimmy Butler in 2019. They had to get under the hard cap to fit Jimmy Butler in through a sign and trade. And to do that, they stretch Ryan Anderson. They now owe him $5 million next season. I mean, not to be that guy, but like, couldn't Ryan Anderson help a team, right? I mean, he's 33. He's 6'10". I used to believe that. Shoot the um, three ball? We... I thought going into game seven of the Western Conference Finals 2018, when the Warriors were playing the Rockets and the Rockets didn't have Chris Paul, I thought the move for the Rockets was just play Ryan Anderson and launch up a bunch of threes and just try to make the game, you know, throw in as much variance as possible. Well, they tried that. They tried to play Ryan Anderson for a few minutes and Curry and Draymond went at him in pick and roll every single possession. So they took him out after a few minutes. I think he was like minus nine in three minutes or something. I can't remember the exact numbers. And of course that's the 0 for 27 game. So the Rockets tried to follow my plan. They tried to introduce a lot of variants. It just didn't exactly work out for them. Um, and that was it. He, is, never, he never played basketball again. Well, yeah, I would say at that point, it was <laughs> the, um, the Knicks are the team that can really, like, definitely afford him, and it's somewhat realistic. The Kawhi, Raptors, not, the Mavericks, not Ryan and the Anderson. Heat. No, not, yes, to be clear, Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> the Raptors, the Heat, and the Mavericks are the teams that are, like, within range and maybe with some maneuvering. I think the Heat would have to be a sign and trade. The Raptors and the Mavericks could probably get to the max if they really wanted to. So those are the teams, barring something surprising, you know, maybe somebody else gets into a sign-and-trade. But we think he's going to stay put. I mean, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but uh, there was a kind of a, you know, I'll say, I'll say report in quotes uh, suggesting that Kawhi Leonard might not be happy with the Clippers training staff, kind of how you were talking about. Um I'd say that that's probably the biggest reason I could see for him wanting to leave um, is if there is some sort of disagreement, discord between those two sides. Um, so the I'll fact put this that, out there. Yeah. You know whose medical staff Kawhi Leonard really likes? The Raptors. You love getting him back on, on the Raptors. I love getting him back to the Raptors. I this was like so the, dyna- the dynasty that never was, was if Kawhi oh. just would have stayed in Toronto. In Slack, just another little bit of inside baseball. We were talking about the Suns and some of the injuries to teams that they've played in the playoffs. And we were kind of talking about asterisks in general. And somebody, I can't remember who, maybe it was one of the editors, kind of mentions, yeah, well, you know, the Raptors 2019, Kevin Durant got hurt. And James Herbert and I 
just like tag team this dude. We're just like, how dare you question the 2019 Raptors, who are quietly like one of the better teams that nobody ever wants to talk about. I am convinced if Kawhi and Danny Green resign, they walked to the title last year. Uh, I'm convinced that if Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson don't get hurt, then they never win that title. So I'm just going to put this out there. <laughs> I picked the Bucks to win that title before the playoffs because we've forgotten this now. We only look at the roster. There were some real problems within that Warriors team that went a lot deeper than just Draymond yelling at Kevin Durant. Like It seemed like they were really out of sync. The Rockets, before Durant got hurt, were pushing them to the absolute brink, right? That series was tied at two, and it was close in game five before Durant got hurt. I have always contended, and I'm not one of these people that says that the Warriors are better without Kevin Durant. That was nonsense. But in that specific matchup, the Rockets were built specifically to play the Durant version of the Warriors because everything they did relied on getting the ball out of Stephen Curry's hands specifically. When Durant went down, it changed their game plan so drastically that I think that's what prevented them from overcoming is all. I think they would have fared a little bit better if Durant hadn't gotten hurt in that specific matchup. All I'm saying, my overall point here is the 2019 Warriors were not the 2017 Warriors. They were not the unstoppable juggernaut that we thought they were. They were starting to implode as dynasties tend to do. And I thought somebody was going to beat them. The Rockets came pretty close before the Durant injury. I personally thought the Bucks were going to be the team to beat them. Turns out it was the Raptors. I don't know. Like, I think you probably should say that at full strength, the Warriors would have been favored. But I don't think it's like out of the realm of possibility that Raptors team could have beaten them. That Raptors team was built perfectly to play against the Warriors, right? Kawhi's the best Durant defender probably ever, right? Is anybody a better Durant defender than Kawhi? Van Vliet did such a good job on Curry. They could have tried some of the box and one stuff. You know, they had so much shooting, they could have switched everything. This rant was totally off topic. But, like, I am just a firm believer that the 2019 Raptors were, like, a totally legitimate championship caliber team. And they would have won it next year, the next year if they had come back together. I mean, anytime you bring up an asterisk, you know there's going to be some sort of rant, deep dive into history. Um, I, I'm not against what you're saying. I, th- I think it certainly would have been a good series. I, you know, I think eventually the Warriors would have won. But that's not how it works. You know, you, you got to play who's in front of you. Injuries happen. As we found out in this postseason, um, sometimes it's just whoever stays healthiest wins. So I'm glad Giannis played in the finals, aren't you? It's most postseason. And by the way, like Kawhi's injury looked pretty tame when it happened, right? He stayed in the game. When Giannis got hurt, it looked like, like, wow, is he going to miss next year too? And a week later, he's back playing in the finals. Yeah, Giannis- that's what he said. He said, oh, I thought it was going to be out for a year. But then I was just like, yeah, I'm probable. Or <laughs> I'm question- probably questionable for game six. That'd be good. Giannis is incredible, man. Yeah, what a monster. So that's interesting because like Kawhi, I feel like he used to be considered like one of those guys, you know, even though he never really, he hasn't ever played more than 74 games in his career, but he always seemed like, like, look at him. He just looks like a role, like a being, like he's made of metal. He spent most of his early career with the Spurs and the Spurs are pretty notorious for, you know, resting guys for like, I don't know, sprained, you know, sprained soul or broken toenail or whatever. Like, Oh, you're feeling a little bit moody today? Oh, you take the day off. That's just what the Spurs do. So I wouldn't take the game's totals too seriously with Kawhi, especially I feel like there were a couple of fluky things earlier in his career. Did he have an eye issue with the Spurs once? Uh, I I can't remember. Is that like an eye eye issue, like a phone, like an Apple phone, like eye, lowercase eye issue? Yeah, Kawhi Kawhi Leonard suffered an eye injury with the Spurs. Yeah, so that 
Like an eye injury is not something that you have to really worry about, right? Long-term like, long vision like problems. No, but that's not something that's going to recur. Yeah, like I mean, I, I think the big, the, you know, the big thing with in terms of his future is whatever happened with the Spurs that we still don't really know, and whether tendon neuropathy, whatever he was going on with his leg, is somehow going to continue to affect him for the rest of his career in terms of compensation, or it's never reaches full strength, or whatever. Well, I also just wonder in general, like, are there maybe more extreme steps that you need to take as a team with someone like why, like? you maybe organizationally say, we're going to play Kawhi twice a week. Like, that's what we're going to do. If that means he misses 35 games a year without having any discernible injury to set a precaution, like, I don't think it would be crazy to consider that. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what the upper limit is on load management, but, like, I wonder if there are more drastic steps you could be taking. Well, it was also weird because was, this was the first year that he started playing back-to-backs again, and this was – the year of the compressed schedule. So it just seemed odd, like odd timing. Like it's like, Oh, okay. Kawhi's like going to be a full time basketball player now. And you know, for most of the season, he looked pretty good. And then Joe Ingles bumps him and suddenly he might be out for, you know, six, eight, 12 months. Who knows? Right. So I'm, let's just play this out. Like if I asked you hypothetically, like, I don't know, for whatever reason, Kawhi tweets tomorrow, I will never play for the Clippers again. Oof. Where would you think he would go? I I wouldn't have said this before last season, but probably the Knicks. I agree with you. I hate I hate to say that, but I do agree with you. I mean, it's gonna it, sound sort of homery. It's totally true. I think it's either that or Miami, but see, I I would think the reason it's the Knicks is because he could kind of build a roster that he likes there, right? He could say like. I will sign, and then you are going to trade player X, player Y, draft picks, et cetera, to get me this teammate to pair with me. No other team, maybe the Raptors, because they have a top five pick, really has the capability of doing the same. And even the Raptors have cap issues to sort out if they were going to go that route. So I don't know. Like, I don't think you'd want to join a team like the Heat that's already, like, fully formed and has the super intense culture. Do you think Kawhi would like that super intense culture? I don't think he would. I think it's pretty clear from his all the reporting that's gone on with the Clippers that Kawhi has very specific terms that yes. he wants with the team, and if and you're not if willing going to, to agree to those, yeah, then it's it's going to be a, an issue. Who? So you said he wants to be able to dictate his own teammate if he potentially went to the Knicks. Like who? Who do you want if you're Kawhi? Like Paul if George Kawhi, was his. I'm pick getting on the, the phone with Damian Lillard right now and saying like, if is he, it if he Daniel? Goes. I was wondering that because obviously offensively it'd be tremendous, but I don't I don't know if if he would want like a you know that, not many of these people exist, but like an Anthony Davis type, like a he's a, a, a big a okay. mobile big defensive Colin. big something like that. Anthony Davis is off the table. I, I who is the Anthony best Davis. available big? Like you're not getting Joel Embiid. Not getting Jokic, like get those guys out of your head. Like, who's the guy? DeAndre, exist, right? DeAndre Ayton. I don't think DeAndre Ayton is very he's available the, right now. Some people are saying he's a top twenty player in the NBA. I'm just telling you that. People are saying. Um, people, that's what the word on the street is. I think I agree with you. I think if Kawhi could play with Anthony Davis right now, he'd be pretty enthusiastic about that. Kawhi also had a chance to play with Anthony Davis a few years ago, and we saw what happened. I think the most important thing for him would be somebody to take the burden off of him as far as running the offense goes, because the Clippers, I mean, that's a good call. I I just think we saw this with the Clippers where they didn't really have a point guard. 
And in the Dallas series, especially, he was just, there was this huge burden on him for his initiating everything on offense. I think somebody like Lillard who would allow him to function more like he did in San Antonio or Toronto where he had Kyle Lowry would be very helpful to him. But I also just think there's like a certain caliber of star you have to be to appeal to Kawhi Leonard, right? Like Kawhi isn't going to say, I'm going to go play with Zach Levine. And that's nothing against Zach Levine. But I think if Kawhi Leonard is taking a step this drastic, he would want it to be somebody very established and also somebody pretty hungry, right? Like Dame would be pretty enthusiastic if Kawhi came to him and said like, hey, let's go win a title in this place or that place. I don't like, I think there's a very small group of guys that could feasibly fit that bill. And Lillard happens to be the one who's probably available. Just imagine just how terrible Knicks fans would be if they got Kawhi Leonard and Damian Lillard before next season. I just, well, here's what I'm really thinking. Imagine what they're going to do to the Nets when the Nets come to town. Like Kyrie and Durant spurn them, but like Kawhi and Dave chose us. Like you guys are our heroes. Like, I would not want to be living in New York if I were Durant and Kyrie at that point. I mean, the the whole like New York basketball is back narrative, I, it just go through, through the roof. And then the poor Clippers. We should talk about the Clippers. Yeah, that was what we were supposed to do this whole episode. What's right? <laughs> that was the whole idea of the episode? So we've talked about Kawhi and his decisions. Um, let's say Kawhi decides, yes, I want to come back, whether he opts in or whether he signs a new deal, whatever. Does that does his injury do you think affect how they operate this off season or is it just like we're just going to assume Kawhi's going to be back by the end of the year or even if he's not we don't want to do anything drastic we're just going to stick with the plan and it is what it is. So I mean I wonder I'll just ask you this from the outset say Kawhi is out for the year but they did just bring back last year's roster where would you say they are like are they a three seed are they a six are they a nine like where do you have them in the standings well so here's the here's the issue right i think if they're otherwise healthy probably in that what three four five range i mean the jazz are going to be really good again i would say the jazz the suns the lakers and the warriors are the four teams that i would say like clearly assuming they're healthier ahead of them and i would probably say dallas as well just because of luca yeah. But Portland is not great. Their situation is pretty up in the air. The Pelicans could take a step. The Grizzlies could take a step. But, like, I'm not super confident in them. Like, I guess I would say, like, 16 as a base, maybe a two, a, you know, two seed margin of error. Or, like, you yeah. can go up to four or down to eight. But then the problem becomes, now if Paul George gets hurt, what are you? You know, that's... You are a team a- that owes an unprotected pick <laughs> to who else? Sam Presti. Because that's... By the way, yeah. the last pick... I don't know if this is the last time the Clippers owed an unprotected pick, but pretty notably, the Clippers have a very bad unprotected pick on their ledger. They have the worst possible unprotected pick on their ledger because in 2011, they traded the Cavs their unprotected first to dump the contract to Farron Davis, and that pick was number one overall and turned into Kyrie Irving. So the Clippers don't have a great history with owing unprotected picks. That you just any Clipper fan who is still listening just turned off the podcast and decided to put on some like Zen music and meditate. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, like the Clippers don't have a great history in this regard. We kind of have to mention it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's where you're really running into risk here, right? Because the whole point of having two superstars, aside from them, you know, making each other better and winning championships with them, 
is that you theoretically, when they're both healthy, never have to play a single minute without at least one of them. Well, they're already going to have to play a certain number of minutes without at least one of them. And if they lose Paul George for any extended period of time, and Paul George has a pretty lengthy history of injuries himself, now you're talking about playing with no superstars, which is not what the Clippers paid for when they gave up everything for this roster. So, And you're talking that, about how Kawhi, would, if he went to New York, would want a playmaker be, to take some of the pressure off of him. Uh, imagine now with no Kawhi and the Clippers' existing roster, PG is going to be tired, man. <laughs> Guys could be doing everything. It's going to look like the, the conference finals. Well, I will say he did look very good and just apropos of nothing. Paul George right now is, I think, like 80 to 1 or 90 to 1 to win MVP next year. Maybe throw 10 bucks on that is all I'm going to say. It's not crazy. It's not crazy. If he plays 82 games and they're like a four seed, I don't think that would be crazy is all. But as far as like their actual offseason stuff, they're in a pretty complicated position because they're already so expensive. If Kawhi opts in, they are deep into the tax. I have them at $149 million almost. Even if Kawhi opts out, they'd be at around $112.7 million. Well, the cap is $112.4. So even without Kawhi, they're over the cap. So any trades oh they might have of cap space, that's gone. So for the most part, you're looking at like a pretty modest offseason. You can re-sign Nick Batum using your mid-level maybe. You only have non-bird rights though, so you have to use the mid-level if you want to pay Nick Batum. Reggie Jackson has early bird rights, so you can pay him a little bit more than the mid-level, something like $10 million a year. If somebody offers you more, you're out of luck. Sorry, like you can't outbid them. The real question that I'm wondering about is how much do the Clippers prioritize next year versus how much do they prioritize the two years after that? Because we've seen the Clippers linked to a couple of younger free agents, and I'm starting to wonder – would they be willing to maybe take some drastic steps in the name of long-term improvement? Would they, say, be willing to hard cap themselves and assign and trade for a guy they've been linked to by Sean Serrania, Lonzo Ball? Ooh, the famous I, name that everybody's been linked to this offseason. I don't think that's super feasible because with Kawhi there at around 149, Lonzo probably wants, say, $20 million. You're at 169 at that point. The hard cap is going to be around 142. How are you setting 27 million? I don't know. Are the Pelicans taking back Patrick Beverly? Are they taking back Luke Kennard? Do you have a taker for Serge Ibaka or Rajon Rondo? Like, I guess it's maybe doable. The issue is the Clippers have so little to give other teams to take on their bad contracts. They have two tradable first round picks right now. Number 25 in this year's draft. And then all the way in 2028, but if I were the Clippers and I was looking at my future right now, I don't think I'd be super enthusiastic about trading a 2028 first round pick. And I've also, you know, uh, heard it postulated that the Clippers could trade this year's first round pick anyway to get out of the first round so that they don't know that have to pay that guaranteed money. Right. I mean, I think there's a solid chance that they do that, although you could say the reverse is that maybe if you're the Clippers and you know that this isn't going to be a championship season. You take a high-risk, high-reward player at number 25, and you give that player a bunch of minutes. And you just say, you know what? We don't care if he's bad because we're not trying to win. We want to try to develop him for next year and the year down the line. Sam, are you trying to suggest that the Clippers are going tank. to tank next year? That just, this is a roundabout way to say that they're going to tank next year. Colin, you know I can turn any team into a tanker if I really want to. I'm not saying the Clippers should tank. I'm not saying they should try to lose. 
I'm just saying that winning probably isn't their highest priority next year. I would say their priority next year is winning in the following years. So there are other approaches you could take in that route, right? Like maybe Terrence Mann is a full-time starter and you're trying to develop him into like a real long-term piece alongside Kawhi and Paul George. Oh, he should be a full-time starter anyway. But um, Right, he's probably one of their five best players. Imagine how, like, this time last year, we're thinking, okay, Kawhi Leonard got hurt. Thank God they can re-sign Reggie Jackson. Like, just imagine getting into that headspace where Reggie Jackson is now going to be, what, their second most important offensive player? Well, I remember, like, I, I can't remember which game. I think it was Terrence Mann got DNP'd. Or he only played a few minutes, game one of the Jazz series. And somebody asked Ty Lue why he didn't play. And Ty Lue says, well, he didn't play because he's not in the rotation. And just dumbfounded by that. And then sure enough, a few games later, oh, he's like playing starter minutes again. Because yeah. Terrence is awesome. And also, like, you make the rotation. So what do you mean yeah. he's not in the rotation? <laughs> um, but I would say developing Terrence Mann becomes more of a priority. Maybe you're using more roster spots on like undrafted free agents that you like, or maybe you're buying a second round pick, something like that, as opposed to signing veterans for the minimum. Like, I don't know why you would bring Patrick Patterson back, for instance, unless oh, you want Pat. to sign him cat fodder. Like, yeah. if you want to sign him for more money and then trade him, that would be the only reason I can think of. Also push back on them not thinking that they're going to be a championship contender next year. I feel like they're, going to convince themselves that if Kawhi has any chance of coming back before the playoffs, that they think that they're going to be able to win it all, no matter what seed they end up with. Well, I would say, number one, they have to decide organizationally and they have to be acting in lockstep with Kawhi. How much risk are we willing to absorb next year, right? Like, Kawhi, is your goal to be back for next year's playoffs or is your goal, like, all I care about is getting back to 100% and I'm willing to sit out the whole year if necessary, right? Like, that has to be a certain degree of synergy between those two sides. I don't think it would be impossible. Like we saw this this year, the Lakers were the number seven seed. They were in the play-in because of all their injuries. I There was a chance before Anthony Davis got hurt that like they would have beaten the Suns. And then we saw what happened to the rest of the teams in the West. They might be in the position that Phoenix is in right now if Davis didn't get hurt. Do you, do you hear that noise? Are there pitchforks outside of your house right now? I think the Suns fans are coming after you, Sam. They'll never find me. Um, <laughs> an undisclosed bunker somewhere. I have already left Las Vegas. Southwestern United States. <laughs> um, the point is, you you could talk yourself into that, but I would also just suggest, is it all that likely that as many teams and players are going to get injured as did this year? I would say probably not. Well, I You're not going to have as much luck. I mean, you can't bank on that, but you got to, you know, it's like any year. You just you put yourself in the best position you can and roll the dice and say, you know, Maybe some crazy stuff will happen. And it's not, you know, if Kawhi came back in, it's, it's going to be a normal calendar next year. Say he came back in like March, like a month yeah. and a half before the playoffs start. Would that be enough to give you confidence that they could be a, a contender? If they're like the sixth seed. Contender is a bit that. of a stretch. I'd have to see how no. he looks after the ACL. But like, I guess I wouldn't say it would be crazy. I would certainly say they're at a disadvantage. Remember, if you're a six seed too, you're on the road all three series. Presumably, barring major upsets. Clippers play better on the road now. I don't think that's something that's going to sustain Colin. They're gritty. They're a gritty, tough bunch. I feel like grit is like a short-term thing. Like, I think you can rely on like, wow, we love being on the road, yada, yada, yada. But then over the course of a full season, that really wears on you. 
Yeah, I think I would be I would be very worried about the wear and tear on the Clippers if if Kawhi's out for a very long time, which he very well could be. Because that's... I would also just say a lot of what worked for the Clippers was very matchup specific this year. Like if they played the Lakers, they're never using that small ball, right? You just can't. There's no point. Anthony Davis would destroy you. Yeah, you could play Anthony Davis off the court. That's what you can. That's what Good you luck. Do. <laughs> that's if that's really your end game. I mean. Hey, you said I Frank Kaminsky couldn't stay Ty on the Lewis floor. So. Good, I think we both think Ty Lue is a very good coach. I don't think very good coaches are trying to get Anthony or they're they're trying to get Anthony Davis off the floor. I don't think there's really a way to do it. Is Victor Oladipo out for all next year? That's a good question. We don't really know how healthy he is, but that's, that's not a, a bad like yeah, upside. a little stop, little stopgap, you know. I've been wondering about him. What do you think he gets? Do you think he's like trying to command somebody's cap space? Do you think he does the Cousins thing where he signs one-year MLE with a contender? Do you think he's worth a mid-level exception? I don't think I'd give him a mid-level exception. It's just all, I don't know. Is he going to play? Like, if, <laughs> if he's not going to play, he can't sign with a one-year no deal, idea. right? My best guess, and, like, I think people are going to scoff at this. I think Oladipo's probably going to re-sign in Miami for the minimum. I think they're going to use cap space on somebody, and he's just going to say, you know what? This is the best place for me to rehab. This is a place that he wanted to get to. It's a city that he's comfortable in. I think he's just going to say, what's really the point of getting the mid-level in a worse situation and maybe risking my health more long-term when I can just be somewhere I'm comfortable, rehab in a good environment, and then maybe try to help a winner down the stretch? Do you think he could like like bet on himself and not sign this offseason and just wait? Until so just he's... become a ringer and like yeah, sign in February? Just, just pick which, whichever Roger team you go to the highest bidder? I mean... I guess, yeah, because you're, you're obviously missing out on half a year's salary or more, depending on when he comes back, but you also get to pick a team that's might be a little bit more desperate, give you a little bit more, or at least well, be in I a mean, position to win. if you're going in season, most teams aren't going to have cap space or exceptions in the middle of the season. That's not a money play. What that is is a situation play, right? Where you can say in February, I have a much better idea of where I can go to get minutes, plus you have a lot more control over your own rehab than you would if you were signed to a team. Yeah, but you missed out on some money. Sure. I don't think he's going to do that. I'm going to guess that he stays in Miami. Maybe it's the cap room except mid-level exception, but I think he's going to stay in Miami for fairly cheap. I think that'd be Can interesting. Can sign-in trade name? Yeah. Favorite of yours, Kelly Ubright. That's Come on. Yeah, the Clippers another wing because he's and, okay. I will give you he's like the perfect player for that situation where it's like we just need a guy to come in and just do a bunch of stuff. It's right, like, okay, like he can Uber's take more guy. shots with Kawhi out, like yeah. raise his value a little bit. You know my theory on Ubre, he's going to resign with the Thunder and they're going to trade him for a first round pick again. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. But you know, I'll just throw that out there as I think the Warriors would be very cooperative on a sign and trade there. I don't like. I personally don't know if I would be willing to hard cap myself. But I think if you have a chance to get a player that you perceive as a possible younger blue chip guy who could really help you try to win the title in 23 and 24, I'm, I'd probably go for that if it was realistically on the table. I think yeah. Lonzo's more higher upside, certainly, on that front. And he'd probably take a little bit less to come to Los Angeles. The issue is, like, how do you entice the Pelicans? What are you giving them? Yeah, so I do. I, I guess I see where you're coming from, like, philosophically. You're saying, okay, this year... 
by most odds, we're probably not going to win the title, depending on when Kawhi comes back, but probably not. So rather than going the route we might have normally gone, which is, you know, load up on veteran cheap guys, let's try to make a play where we can get somebody who could potentially help now and for the future. So that 2028 pick isn't worth isn't worth quite as much. Well, I'm wondering, like, let's say they put that 2028 pick on the table with like man and number 25. What do you think they could get? Like, I, they can't get into Colin Sexton, right? Like, that's just he's too mm. valuable. No, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think so if hard. there's like, is there a young guy on a rookie deal that's like a starting caliber guy? that you might not otherwise consider but could give a bigger role to this year and might give up more stuff for as a result. Sexton is that guy for a lot of teams. I just don't think the Clippers have enough. What about, like, Markkanen? That's interesting. You know, what do you think he's going to get? Because I suspect the Bulls are going to renounce him. I think he's going to be unrestricted because they need to create cap space. And I just don't know what he's worth. He's one of those guys who, like, you find you catch him on the right night, and it's like, oh, my God, this guy is the second coming. He's going to be awesome. And then you catch him on, like, the other six nights of the week, and, and you're like, oh, no. Why well, this strikes this me as one of two things, right? Like, either some, let's just say it, some bad team gives him a whole bunch of money and says, like, yeah, baby, we got a number seven overall pick. We got a guy who can give us 20 a game. All right. And then he just is terrible for them. Or I think the ideal scenario for him is, like, he takes a mid-level exception from somebody from a good organization, comes off the bench, and like slowly rebuilds his value. I'm taking the money if I'm presented with those two options. Well, like, look, I'm just saying, for him, it probably makes more sense to make the money. For what's best for his career as a whole, I think you know taking a mid-level exception, going to a good team, would probably be beneficial. Because if he takes that? a lot of money and signs with, I don't know, some bad team, pick whoever it's going to be and he just is the same player he was in Chicago, there's not going to be a big third contract. Although you know, what you could say is like, there is a certain threshold for guys where once they've made $15 million a year, they tend not to dip below that unless they get hurt. Especially with a guy who's, I mean, he's, he's big, he's athletic. He's relatively, you know, he'll still be relatively young. I don't know. I think he shoot in theory. What's the, what is, what's the Clippers mid-level? It's going to be the taxpayer, so you're looking at like $6 million. Ugh. I don't it's know not much. Enough. I don't think that's going to be enough. I think, I don't know, he would have to really not have good offers out there. But what I suspect is going to happen is the Spurs just aren't going to have anybody to spend on. He's going to sign there. The Spurs. Interesting. Well, like, where else is he going to go? What's the obvious Lori Marketing fit? Uh, yeah. Sacramento? They trade Marvin Bagley? I was going to say, like, they've got their own issues with a highly drafted offense first thing. <laughs> Let's just swap them. We'll trade them. I like Marvin Well, who, who's giving up anything for Bagley right now? That's what I'm saying. Let's just swap them. Ooh, I just I, saw a name. The, like, How about Dennis sorry. Smith Jr.? Take a flyer on him. That's right a fun flyer. I actually wouldn't mind that. Yeah. It's like a 13, 14 man. Like, sure, that's an upside play. I like that. Make some plays for you. Huh. Malik Monk? I don't Monk? think there's anything wrong with gettable? that. Malik Monk? Yeah, well, he has a restrictive huge cap because he was such a high pick. So if the Hornets want to spend cap space, they might have to renounce him. And I'm not sure how eager many teams would be to sign him, just given you know the drug issues in the past and the suspension. So I'd say he's gettable, yeah. 
Yeah. So I guess that's the type of guy you're looking at, right? Like. Yeah, you want to take an upside swing. Promise. Once potentially wasted promise. We're not quite sure yet, but hopefully we can turn you around. Right. I mean, the the damage. Well, I guess if you're using a tax pyramid level, there's no real harm, right? Like you're giving up Nick Batum, obviously, but Nick Batum is 32 and has a bunch of injuries on his ledger. So if you're giving up Batum to sign an upside guy, that probably makes more sense in the long term anyway. Nick Batum is very valuable in the short term, but I, I don't think he's some. Well, he can shoot. I don't know how well his defense is going to age, but I don't know, man. You know what? That actually would be a pretty big loss if they gave up on Batum. Yeah, he's also seems like one of those guys so that like if they're not like as competitive, he could like check out. I don't know if it's just like letting Charlotte cloud Chris my Diaz. vision of him. A French forward goes to Charlotte and just withers and dies. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, either way, it's not great. I mean, the Clippers are coming off this awesome season where they made the conference finals for the first time in their history. They looked awesome. Paul George put the playoff P stuff, pandemic P stuff to bed. He was awesome. Reggie yeah, Jackson, by the way, second coming. Season was really a great narrative buster because we got through the Paul George stuff. We got through a lot of the Chris Ball stuff, although after game four, maybe some of that's coming back. Jury's still yep. out. And incredible. Kevin Durant looking like the best player on earth those last few games when he was alone. Like, we're getting through a lot of narratives here. Yeah, but like you said, the Kevin Durant thing's still there because there's still the memes about him joining Team Nigeria after they beat Team USA. Never stop laughing at that. <laughs> it's so funny. The t-shirt. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's the meme that, that giveth forever. Um, but yeah. The point is, we, we've made a lot of progress on these fronts. Yes, I agree. Except for the Jazz. They, they still got some work to do. But Well, you know what? The Jazz, those narratives are earned for them. Like, you know what? I was well, I was ready to defend Rudy Gobert's perimeter defense for a while, but, like, I'm not there anymore. Yeah. But anyway, my point was the Clippers had this great postseason, had a lot of what I would think would be momentum and confidence heading into next year, and then this is a, it's a really big blow. And, I mean, geez, for a year that we've seen so many of these freaking injuries, here's just another one that's going to last in the next year. Series? Get a what? Lakers-Clippers series. You think we're ever going to get it? I mean, at this point, uh, no. <laughs> We're certainly not going to get it with both teams at their peak, right? Because if it doesn't happen next year, then LeBron is 38 and Kawhi is coming off an ACL. We're not yeah. getting glorious Battle of L.A. that we hoped for. And LeBron, I mean, you know, he's still LeBron, but, man, in the playoffs, everybody was just kind of waiting, like, okay, we're going to get that big LeBron game. Well, AD's hurt. LeBron's going to go nuts. And it just kind of never happened. I think that was the sprained ankle. But if we get to, like, game number nine next year and he's averaging 22 and eight, I will be very – I'll be very worried. I don't know if you heard, Sam. He was, he was about 85% in his ankle. During the Let's playoffs. hope so. Let's hope he's got a little – 85, percent. very specific number that was thrown out there. I've been thinking lately – remember how Giannis said after the first MVP season he was at 60% and I thought, like, that's ludicrous, right? Like, to improve at that point – like, to get another 40%, you'd have to be scoring 40 in the finals or something. And then, sure enough. Before we go, before we go, I just, what what is going on with Giannis with this, like, conditioning thing? Where, like, he's he's breathing so heavy early in these games. And, like, it, there was a time during the game four 
when he's laying on the ground and his teammates come to pick him up and he's like, hold on, hold on. And he takes like eight more deep breaths and then gets up. Like, is it is it finally like his alien body is starting to like catch up to him or is like he needs to breathe a different type of oxygen? It's just a weird subplot in these finals. Well, he's been awesome. It's funny. It's weird. It's funny because like he'll do that two minutes into a game. But then like with one minute left, like, OK, cool. I'm going to traverse the entire like space inside the arc to block this lob on DeAndre Ayton. Like. You're clearly fine, my dude. You're not exhausted. Yeah. And and he, by the way, as you were so helpful to point out to me earlier, he did have to tinkle. He did. That was the excuse. I'm not buying that. I I can't. There's no. You're you're in the freaking NBA finals, okay? An NBA player willingly say that he needed to quote tinkle if he was trying to hide that he hurt his knee or something, maybe. But like, come on, you're in the NBA finals and you have to go. And you're like, I can't wait until the first time out, which is going to happen like in two minutes. I have to go right now. My other theory. Two consecutive games at the exact same time. My theory has been they're trying to get him earlier rest because they want to make sure that he's on the floor for the minutes that Aiton is off. But of course, there was the stretch in the second half today where Aiton was off and Giannis was off, too, which just made no sense to me. Yeah, I'm caught. I think there's there's some whether it's strategy, whether it's him being crazy amped up because they're home playoff games or in the finals or whatever. There's something, is there's knee, maybe, uh, there's something going on. There's something going on. How, we are getting dangerously close to talking about real basketball as opposed to the fake basketball this podcast prides itself on. Yeah, that means it's getting late and it's time right. to wrap I, it up. I think we either need to get back on track <laughs> and get back to talking about fake basketball or we got to close this thing. No. Well, Clippers have a lot of decisions to make. Kawhi Leonard has a lot of decisions to make and Whoever the is is doing his rehab, I assume it's his team and not the Clippers rehab people. Uh, they got a lot of decisions to make. So go ahead. You have a decision to make as a listener. You can like, subscribe. You can I rate us. I would not us. call that a decision, Colin. I would call that a mandate. That's the decision is either do it or Sam's going to be knocking at your door with the Phoenix Suns fans. Well, you don't know where I am, so you don't know where I'm not. You don't know that I'm not outside your door. Wow. This just got real deep. We're going like metaphysical. I was about to pull the column look behind you bit, but that doesn't really oh. work in audio medium, does it? It would have been scary. It's like two o'clock in the morning as of this recording. So we're on the same coast. That's okay. all I'll reveal about my location. Okay. Pacific Northwest, maybe. Anyway, Sam, hey, it was fun. Hopefully the, the Clippers figure this out because uh, I hope they stay good. I hope this isn't the end of them. I wouldn't mind, honestly. <laughs> Good night. Thank you for joining me. Uh, We'll do this again another time. Pleasure as always, Colin.